Observable goat, thank you for the sub. Greatly appreciate it. Here is your second meme of the day. Cat came to drink milk and fight. All out of milk. Look at his face. He's so determined. Uh, we, we ain't got time for the UK right now. I actually do have a story about Liz Truss and her troubles in the UK for later. We might get to, but right now it is the second Senate debate between Democrat Mandela Barnes, who is the current Lieutenant governor in Wisconsin debating, uh, Republican incumbent Ron Johnson, who might be the dumbest man in the Senate. This is the second and apparently the last debate between the two of them. This happened about an hour ago when we were watching it on replay. Here we go. Tonight, the race for U.S. Senate. The two candidates take on the biggest issues facing Wisconsin. Inflation. Abortion. Immigration. Democratic Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes. If we're going to change Washington, we have to change the people we send to Washington. And Republican Senator Ron Johnson. Apparently since the last debate, Johnson has opened up more of a lead. He was up like one point on Barnes. 620 WTMJ. WIS Politics. The Milwaukee Business Journal. And Marquette University. Live from Marquette's Varsity Theater. Here are your moderators, Charles Benson and Shannon Sims. And good evening. Thank you for joining us tonight for Wisconsin U.S. Senate debate. We have a great audience here tonight at Marquette University's Varsity Theater. So let's take some moments to just say thank you for those who are joining us. That means you can clap. As you can see, we have a full house tonight. Now, this debate is being broadcast from Superior. They, they've given him instructions not to clap during the and debate. We also are welcoming a national audience with C-SPAN watching. So let's go over the rules agreed to by both candidates. Each candidate welcoming will Welcoming a national audience with the Troll Patrol watching. Candidates will have 60 seconds to answer a question and 30 seconds for any hey, possible Justin, follow-up question from us. Us, that is. If a candidate runs over time, he said, Muff. This is what you will hear. You live in sexual anarchy. If an opponent refers to another candidate in their answer, the candidate will get 30 seconds for a rebuttal. And each candidate will have a one time 60 second rebuttal. So we begin with opening statements and we drew names to determine who will go first. Mr. Johnson, you will get one minute. And you get to go first. Mr. Johnson. Thank you, Charles. I'd first like to thank WTMJ and Marquette University for hosting this debate. This election offers a very clear choice. I have a lifetime experience raising a family, building a business, creating good-paying manufacturing jobs right here in Wisconsin. I've worked hard all my life. I began my tax-paying career at the age of 15 as a dishwasher at a Walgreens grill. I worked full-time paying my way through college. I worked all shifts starting my business. As your U.S. Senator, my tax cuts for more than 20 million tax filers helped small businesses compete with the big guys and survive the pandemic. My right to try law is saving lives. And my Joseph Project has transformed lives by helping people to get really good paying jobs. 
In stark contrast, here he goes talking about his nonprofit that I, I, I find questionable. Rhetoric, I'm not sure what he's ever accomplished or really what he has to offer. But I'm looking forward to the debate. Thank you. Mr. Barnes, you now have one minute for your opening statement. Well, thank you so much, TMJ4, for hosting this debate. I want to thank everybody for showing up today. As you know, my story is a Wisconsin story, only possible here, being raised in a union household with my father, who worked third shift on an assembly line, and my mother being a public school teacher. Those jobs were the ticket to the middle class, but unfortunately, those tickets are in short supply. They're harder and harder to come by. And that task has been made increasingly more difficult because of out-of-touch politicians like Senator Ron Johnson, who continues to leave working people behind. I can tell you, if you aren't one of his wealthy donors, can't count on him to support you. But if you are a working person, a person who's been looking for a little bit of relief, it's a shame that we've had our backs or had politicians who would rather turn their backs on us in service of their wealthy donors or their own self-interest. But I'm running for the U.S. Senate because I believe that better is possible. I believe that we can create an America, a Wisconsin, that gives everybody a fair shot at the American dream. That's the difference. Now, Ron Johnson's going to try to run and hide from his record, but he can't hide from the truth. Thank all you. All right. Thank you. Our first question is about all of those. Our first question is about all those campaign commercials. Don't worry, we're not going to show any of them. But according to our partners at WIS Politics, the Republican-aligned Senate Leadership Fund has spent or has reserved $24 million in ads to defeat Mr. Barnes. Many of those trying to portray you as soft on fighting crime with comments about bloated police budgets and ending cash bail. How do you respond to voters who question your record when it comes to police funding and reducing crime, Mr. Barnes? Well, thank you so much. And I'm really glad you brought up the, uh, the obscene amount of spending in this race. And notice how you said that the money is being spent to defeat me. There's no commercials talking about Senator Johnson's record because he has nothing to run on. He hasn't done a single thing for us. He's had 12 years to show up for working Wisconsinites. He has refused to every single day. Now, with that being said, on the topic of crime, this is something that has impacted me personally more times than I care to count. I'm a proud product of the city of Milwaukee, and I've taken the good with the bad. And I have unfortunately lost more friends than I care to count to gun violence. So it is absurd when people say that, I'm soft on crime or I'm not serious about issues because there's nothing I'm more deeply passionate about. I hope nobody ever has to feel that pain. This is about making sure that law enforcement and communities have strong relationships. This is also about making sure we do the things that we know prevent crime from happening in the first place, investing in good schools and good paying jobs and doing the work to get rid of poverty. We know when communities have resources to thrive, they don't experience Mr. violence Barnes. in the way that other communities do. Mr. Barnes. Uh, he did bring up that, name, that so, buzzer uh, sounds like the the you know, buzzer, buzzer to change classes at my high school and it's giving me PTSD. But we do know he got a degree in communications specializing in performance. So he's a performer, he's an actor. And I don't know that he's just delivering lines somebody wrote for him or that like he's Ronald Reagan. But falsehoods just seem to roll up his tongue. So I suggest anybody watching this debate or the campaign take anything Mr. Barnes says with a huge grain of salt. Well, go ahead. I would absolutely like to respond to that uh, because. <laughs> well, 
Go ahead. Now, 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 don't don't cheer during the debate. The senator is going to try to run and distract from his record. He can't run from the fact that when there was an opportunity for him to provide support for public safety initiatives, he walked away. The American Rescue Plan allowed our administration to invest $100 million in the law enforcement, public safety, and crime prevention initiatives. Ron Johnson voted against it because he would rather play politics. And look, the biggest uh, achievement in business was Ron Johnson saying, I do. He married into his business. He didn't start that. Ooh, ooh. All right. Um, again, we're, it, again, we'll get I, to ping pong here, but once you yeah. over 30 seconds. Yes, yeah. So uh, 30 seconds. First of all, I'm proud of my accomplishments. You know, there aren't many senators can say they got tax cuts for 20 million businesses or that they produced a law, rights try that saved lives, or that they started up a program called the Joseph Project in the inner city that has provided hundreds of jobs and transformed lives. I'm proud of those accomplishments. What Senator Bar or what uh, Lieutenant Governor Barnes has is no accomplishments, has no accomplishments whatsoever. Please, all, please. All he, all he has are lies and distortions because he can't run the record of 40-year high inflation, uh, record gas right. prices. And let's, we're going to get to some of these topics. So let me ask you the question that was also uh, that came up under uh, campaign ads. Wiz Politics reporting that the Democratic-aligned Senate Majority PAC has spent nearly $19 million in ads to defeat you. Many of those ads trying to portray you as an out-of-touch guy with a tax cut you initiated that greatly benefited you and your rich donors. So should voters be skeptical of your record when it comes to working families? No, again, I, I come from a, a working background. As I described, I got my first tax-paying job at the age of 15 as a dishwasher in Walgreens Grill. You know, I work shift work. You know, I know that others have said their fathers worked for third shift, but I actually worked third shift. And so the fact of the matter is this grotesque level of, of money of spending, uh, it is grotesque, but they spent, I think, more than $9 million against me before I even decided to run. So Democrats love to, to uh, uh, denigrate dark money until they use it themselves, and I think in this race, uh, Democrats have spent more in this race, but it's a grotesque amount of spending. I'm not going to defend it. All right, let's move on to inflation and Social Security and other issues. Today we learned that inflation continues to run hot, and it remains the number one concern for voters in the Marquette Law School poll. Mr. Johnson, you will get the first question. The federal policy has been to drive up interest rates, which hurts everyone, to drive down inflation. So what can Congress do to control the rising costs when it comes to housing, rent, gas, and food? Cat Cat, thank you for being a freaking follower. In the Senate to help Wisconsin families. We well, have to understand what caused these 40-year uh, high uh, inflation rates. It's out-of-control deficit spending. I voted against most of it. Uh, but, unfortunately, President Biden, when he came into office, put forward another $1.9 trillion COVID relief package when we had a trillion and a quarter left unspent from the previous COVID relief packages. I was warning about stagflation uh, early in 2021. So the solution is stop the deficit spending, stop growing our debt. But understand that every, a dollar you held at the start of the Biden administration is now worth only 88.3 cents. It's crushing everyone, but it's particularly crushing seniors on a fixed income. So let me just follow up on that, because you just can't stop <laughs> government spending well, today. You, you if, if anybody is sus, it's Ron Johnson. And I voted on these deficit spending. 
Lieutenant Governor Barnes supports all this massive debt suspending, including $369 billion on the Green New Deal energy boondoggles we can't afford to pay for. So would you do anything, though, in housing, rent, gas to drive down those costs? You'll have 30 well, again, seconds. Well, again, you have to grow our economy, but stop the deficit spending and become energy independent. Stop the war on fossil fuel. All right. You do have a chance to rebut because he did bring your name up. I'll wait for my full response. Okay. Well, Mr. Barnes, the same question to you. What can Congress do to control rising costs for housing, rent, gas, and food? And what will be your priority in the Senate to help Wisconsin families? Thank you so much. Now, I have uh, experienced, again, the best and the worst of things. Uh, I know what it's like to struggle to pay the bills, to wonder if you'll make ends meet and how you're going to get by the next day. That's an experience far too many people in this state, far too many people across this country have to live with on a daily basis. So I know firsthand what we need to do is lower costs for working families. We need to give working class families some relief with a middle class tax cut. We need to make the child tax credit permanent. We got to stop giving tax deductions and tax breaks for the wealthiest people. The 2017 tax plan that Senator Johnson was a no vote for at, for at first until he orchestrated $215 million in tax deductions to his biggest donors benefited himself personally and his own company while leaving working class people behind. We need to make sure working class people get to keep more of what they earn. He has no problem blowing a $2 trillion hole in the deficit by voting for the 2017 tax bill that benefited corporations and the most wealthy Americans. And on top of that, we have to create jobs right here in Wisconsin, the same kind of jobs Senator Johnson doesn't mind sending out of state or out of the country. Senator Johnson, you have 30 seconds have to respond to, respond to well, that. I fully understand how high the cost of gas is because I fill up my own gas tank. I drive myself around the state, unlike Lieutenant Governor Barnes, who is chauffeured around by state patrol, costing taxpayers over $600,000. Through last November, he, was, he used them 13 and a half hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. That's not only excessive, it's abuse of the taxpayer money. So you ought to take a look at his record, but I actually understand that it's causing the cost of grass to go up, and it's the Democrat war on fossil fuel. Thank you. Mr. Barnes, you can have a rebuttal there. The crowd's just getting unruly now. The senator should be so audacious. Uh, he fails to mention that taxpayers had to foot the bill for his private plane trips between D.C. and his $3 million mansion in Florida, the vacation home. The 2017, the 2017 tax plan also gave tax benefits for people who make private plane purchases. Guess who bought a few private planes right after the 2017 tax bill was signed? Senator Johnson's family. We're paying for that. Working class families are footing the bill for millionaire lifestyles, and it needs to stop. Mr. Johnson, Mr. you would Johnson. have a chance. You also have, you also have a wow. rebuttal if you want to use it. So that is a total lie. Uh, I, had never re I never was reimbursed for any private jet travel. What I was reimbursed for was actually approved by the Senate Rules and Ethics Committee when I submitted the expense. My children spend some time in Florida. My wife goes down there. I visit them a few weekends. I didn't charge for the plane trip down, but it's within Senate rules to charge for the plane trip back. We're talking maybe $5,000 versus the $600,000 it cost Wisconsin taxpayers for his 13 half hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. That is abuse of the taxpayer funds. All right, let's. Did you want to respond to the well, security? Just I just want a clarification that it's okay when he does it, but not with anybody else. All right, we'll All right. move on to Let, our next Let's question. move on and continue this conversation. Inflation still the concern, but let's talk about wages. 
Massachusetts Institute of Technology's living wage calendar shows a single adult in Wisconsin would need to make $16.40 an hour to meet their basic needs and to be self-sufficient. That bumps up to $18.36 an hour, excuse me, for a working couple with one child. Mr. Johnson, do you think that the government or the marketplace should set the standard for a minimum wage, and what should that wage be? No, I, I think government screws up more things, causes more problems, or exacerbates more than they actually solve. The individuals working at minimum wage are a very small percentage. Most people looking for jobs right now are probably getting $12, $13, $14, or $15 an hour starting wage. That's what you get with a robust economy. The problem people are having is the out-of-control inflation caused by out-of-control deficit spending, our growing debt, and Democrats' war on fossil fuel. Again, a dollar you had at the start of the Biden administration is only worth 88.3 cents. We have to get deficit spending out of control, and we'll never get it under control with Democrats in power. Thank you. And also, can I please ask the audience to refrain from making comments? Now, Mr. Barnes, the same question to you. Do you need me to repeat the statistics? No, no, thank you. Uh, I think that what's going on right now with working people being denied the fair shot that they deserve is absolutely abhorrent. Working people shouldn't work 40 hours a week and still have to struggle to pay the bills. If you work full time, you shouldn't have to worry about if you're going to make rent. Minimum wage has not gone up since 2009. In Wisconsin, our minimum wage is still the federal minimum wage of $7.25. It is shameful. Since 2014, we've been supporting a $15 minimum wage. And for the one of the most wealthy members of Congress to sit and say that Congress shouldn't set a standard of living and raising the minimum wage is the frustration that so many people have in this country. It's why people are tuned out of, of politics, because they feel like nobody's looking out for them. And that's because Ron Johnson is in the United States Senate not looking out for us. The reality is he talked about a small percentage of minimum wage earners. It's even a smaller percentage of millionaires and billionaires in this country who he has no problem looking out for every single time. Mr. Johnson, do you want to respond? So again, Mr. Barnes claims to be part of the working class, but I haven't really found evidence that he actually had a real job in the private sector. Maybe he had some, but he certainly doesn't talk about it. So I've worked in the private sector for over 40 years. Again, I've worked shift work. Started with very humble beginnings. I know exactly what people are struggling with. I've worked really hard to make sure that our economy can grow so we have great opportunities. Again, look at my Joseph Project. We have transformed lives of people by giving them the dignity of earning their own success. I know exactly what it takes to create jobs. He doesn't have a clue. Well, Thank you, Mr. I can, I can tell you that that's the worst part about it. If you have had humble beginnings and you've made it in life, for you to turn your back on everybody else, that's what people are frustrated with. That's what I'm frustrated with. We need people who are going to go to the mat to fight for working people to improve quality of life. When we had a chance at 1,000 good-paying union jobs with Oshkosh Defense, and they decided they wanted to move to jobs in South Carolina, Senator Johnson's response was, we have enough jobs. We're talking about not just 1,000 jobs, but 1,000 opportunities for families to get ahead. He's praised offshoring, saying that it makes sense. So when you're Lindsey Graham thanked him. No, that is a policy championed by Senator Johnson. He did bring up another issue. Yes, has the lieutenant governor ever created a job? I've created hundreds of jobs. Through my Joseph Project, we have transformed the lives of hundreds of people and positively impacted the lives of thousands of people. Again, these are people in the inner city, formerly incarcerated people, drug and alcohol, abuse. I've been doing this for seven or eight years. It's the most heartwarming thing I've done. How can you say I've turned my back on people? I haven't turned my back at all. I've 
done everything I could to provide good-paying jobs for so many people. He does not have a clue how... All right, we want to move on to another topic here, so we will move on. And we're going to try to get back on order here on who goes first. This next question is about Social Security, and it will go to Mr. Johnson. You will have the first uh, question on this. Inflation also hits our seniors, and they learned today they will be getting a nearly 9% cost-of-living increase because of inflation. Now, there are nearly 1.3 million people in Wisconsin on Social Security. That's one in five Wisconsinites. The average person receives about 19 thousand dollars a year. So, Mr. Johnson, President Biden called you out specifically on Social Security saying you want to put it on the chopping block every year. But you've also said yearly evaluations can fix programs that are broken. So what specific options do you support to fix Social Security? Again, let me be very clear. I want to save Social Security. I want to save Medicare. The greatest threat to any government program is the massive out-of-control deficit spending and our growing debt. If we just return to the interest rate that we experienced uh, in the last three decades of the last century, 5.4%, that would add $1.2 trillion per year to our interest expense, which would have to be paid without us defaulting and driving interest rates even higher. You know, yes, Social Security recipients are going to get an 8.7% raise, but that only keeps them equal with what they lost because of Biden's inflation. Again, a dollar you held. Let's put it another way. A $100,000 nest egg that a senior had is now only worth $88,300. That is the federal government through their inflation, Democrats' inflation, basically taking $12,000 out of that senior's account. So again, the solution is reducing deficit spending, bringing down inflation, ending our war on fossil fuels so we don't keep driving up the cost of energy right, and let gas. Me just, let me just follow up on that quickly. So nothing on payroll tax, nothing on changing, the, raising the retirement no, age, any have, of those other options? No, the first table stakes is stop inflation. You have to do that first. And then grow our economy. The number one component of a solution to all these problems is growing our economy. Under Biden, we've just had two quarters of negative growth because they don't have a clue how to run an economy and they are continuing to deficit spend. Thank you, Mr. Johnson. Mr. Barnes, you have suggested the very wealthy should pay their fair share to help keep Social Security solvent for future generations. Define the very wealthy. Who will be paying more under your plan? And would you support lowering benefits for higher earners or raising the retirement age for the generations or younger? Thank you so much. When I think about Social Security, I think about my grandparents, I think about my parents and other folks who worked hard their entire lives, who paid into a system, who deserve to see the benefit that they have justly earned. And when Senator Johnson talks about making Social Security discretionary spending, that means he's coming for your retirement. And it's odd that you can make the argument about inflation and how costs are increasing, but not support raising the minimum wage. And it's also a shame that Instead of making sure the wealthy pay their fair share, you'd rather give them tax deductions because that's not only how we make Social Security solvent, it's how we strengthen Social Security, making sure that the wealthy pay into this vital program. Now, under my plan, a person making under $400,000 would not see an increase in taxes. And Senator Johnson is going to, again, continue to complain about the deficit but had no problem adding $2 trillion to the deficit to appease his wealthy donors and himself. Okay, Mr. Johnson, you, you heard your name. You have 30 so seconds. So I never said I wanted to cut or put Social Security on a chopping block. What I said is we have to look at all of government spending and start prioritizing. Social Security, Medicare, defense spending would be at the top of the priority. 
What we can't afford to spend money on, for example, is $369 billion on the Green New Deal energy boondoggles, which would be corporate welfare. It will be completely wasted. It will add to inflation and it will put at risk Social Security benefits. But that's what the Lieutenant Governor is in favor of. All right, we are going to. Did you want to respond to that on the. Um, absolutely. The senator is talking about the Inflation over... Reduction Act. Say it again. And he's also talking about the Inflation Reduction Act. Right, right. So the senator is going all over the place with this. By making Social Security discretionary spending, it will be up to the whims of politicians every year under his plan. Doing it every five years as well. Social Security is supposed Dante, to be. Dante, we are not live. It happened about an hour ago. You see the benefit from that hard work. And that's what I find so hard to understand that Senator Johnson is opposed to. And he's going to bring up every other issue. He's going to talk about. Thank you for the sub, the resub, Mergen. He's bought and paid for by the fossil fuel industry. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in campaigns. Right, we've gone back and forth. Of course, he's going to say fossil fuels. On the so way forward, what, in the future. What, what Lieutenant Governor Barnes is ignoring is that by 2033 to 2035, the Social Security Trust Fund runs out. At that point in time, benefits are already exceeding the amount of revenue coming in. At that point, benefits would be reduced to the amount of revenue coming in. So the question is, will we have the financial wherewithal to plus up benefits to honor those promises? That's what I'm trying to save. But if we continue to spend money on three, like these green energy boondoggles, we won't have the financial wherewithal, and it'll be difficult to honor those promises. It's pretty Mr. Basic. Johnson, like does not we, we will move on. But the question was again, how to make it solvent? How to make it solvent? You but we to, will you move have on. To grow your economy. We will move you lift on. Lift the cap. We will talk about gun violence, and this question will go to both of you, as well as police reform. On Monday night, a 12-year-old girl was shot and killed in Milwaukee while simply helping her mother to bring groceries into her home. Olivia Schultz's murder now raises the number of children killed in Milwaukee County to 20 so far this year. Olivia's mother tells us she feels she is living in a war zone and doesn't want to carry a gun to protect her family. Her neighbor said he just purchased a gun to protect his children because of gun violence. My question to you, what would you say to that parent? Mr. Barnes, you go first. Well, I mentioned my own personal experiences with gun violence, and the sad reality is that these are not unique stories. They are happening every day in communities all across the country. The even sadder reality is we have politicians who say that there's nothing that can be done, and it's because they choose to do nothing. I'm talking about the Igloo, politicians who are bought and paid for by the gun lobby. Senator Johnson has received $1.2 million in campaign support from the NRA, from the gun lobby. Of course he's going to say there's nothing that can be done. He's bought and paid for it. He is in their Tomorrow pocket. Tomorrow night, by the way. put their interests before the lives of our children. Now, I'm not making any assumptions. I don't know if he's ever had to deal with this before. I'm not sure if he's ever had to go to a funeral of a child. Or gray. the family of a child that was taken because of gun violence. But it's a pain I hope he never has to experience. I hope it's a pain I hope nobody ever has to experience. But if we do the right thing, what a majority of people in the state of Wisconsin support, what a majority of gun owners support, background checks, that is easy. That is the easiest thing we could do. It is the Mr. lowest Barnes, bar time possible, but Mr. Barnes, like your Senator Johnson time would rather put the gun lobby before us. Mr. Right, Barnes, your time is up. I'm going to on the same question, so you can respond right now. How, you know, what would you say to those parents, and how can the Senate reduce gun violence? Well, obviously, I'd ex express my sincere sympathy first. I would talk about the overall macro solution, which is renewed faith, stronger families, and more supportive communities. But then you start drilling down, one thing you have to do is you have to keep violent criminals in jail. 
and you have to support law enforcement. Now, unfortunately, you know, we have an administration in Wisconsin right now that their goal was to reduce the prison population by 50 percent. They reduced it 15 percent, including paroling 884 criminals. 784 were violent, including 44 child rapists, 270 criminals who either committed or at least attempted murder. So keep violent criminals in jail. You know, one of the things you use is cash bail, and there's an effort here to eliminate cash bail. Uh, but also we have to support law enforcement. You don't go on Russian Today TV and denounce law enforcement. So let me follow up on that, because you're talking about a state issue here with the parole system. And, and under Republican governors and under Democratic governors, offenders have been released under the old parole system. Um, you also supported in, in the Senate the first step, which allowed federal prisoners to be released or earn the option of early release. So do you not think people should have the option to be released early under the system of parole? Sure. And my Joseph Project offers a second chance by providing formerly incarcerated individuals opportunities to turn their life around. So we all believe in redemption. You know, I I'm sure it's exploiting them in some way. He eliminated the disparity between crack and powder came, cocaine. Mm -hmm. I, had a real, I had a real concern, and that's why we asked for strict monitoring who would be released right. to see right. if right. uh, <coughs> commit further crimes. But what the Evers-Barnes administration did is they let, let people well, out on right. bail that horrific Mr. crimes. Mr. Barnes. Exactly. So it feels like the senator is trying to walk away from his record. Once again, he is uh, bemoaning me for, uh, you know, the acts of the administration. But at the same time, the First Step Act released two to 3,000 people on parole early. So do you walk away from that? Do you not claim credit for that, for the release of two to 3,000 people while at the same time attacking me for it? You can respond if you want. Uh, again, I know you, you referred to it already. Please, audience, what, what if the I, audience could please what, hold what, on. What I've seen is are the violent criminal, criminals your administration released. I had concern about releasing, and we should be getting a report in terms of who was released, but we were told it was going to be very nonviolent. People have completely re rehabilitated themselves. That's not who released here in Wisconsin. This is the hypocrisy. He is, he is attacking me for the same thing that he is doing. All right. We move on. Now to... Uh, we're going to talk about police reform. Sorry about that. Democrats support the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act, while Republicans have backed the Justice Act. Both call for police reform and transparency. Mr. Johnson, what would you support, and would that include ending qualified immunity for police officers? Yes, we should remain, we should keep qualified immunity. That'd be a real assault on law enforcement. Uh, Senator Tim Scott oh my God. was negotiating for uh, police reform. And he had a very strong bipartisan uh, bill, talked about providing federal funds for training so that law enforcement can you know, understand what works and what doesn't work. But unfortunately, Democrats played politics with that. And as they've done in so many past occasions, it was either their way or the highway. So there's a strong bipartisan bill negotiated by Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina they could have had it. We could have passed it. It could have been improving things. But Democrats said, no, it's either our way or the highway. But that's happened on gun control. That's happened on so many different issues. Democrats love to play politics. They love issues. They'd rather have an issue than actually solve a problem. I'd like to follow that up, um, Mr. Johnson. After examining both the George Floyd Justice Act 
and the Justice Act that you just spoke about, they're more similar goals than opposing ones. So is it a deal breaker to not get this on the floor if taking ending qualified immunity for police officers is in the bill? Again, I would not support eliminating qualified immunity. I think that would be a real attack on law enforcement, and I try and support law enforcement. If, if you want to reduce crimes, you know, my opponent says that police officers don't commit crimes. Are you kidding me? You have a police presence somewhere, and crimes aren't committed. It's not a guarantee, but we need law enforcement. And the problem with the whole defund movement, which he has been a big supporter of, it dispirits law enforcement. They're having a hard time recruiting members, and we aren't going to have the law enforcement officers we're going to need to reduce crime. All right. I want to remind the audience. I want to remind the audience again to uh, please hold off because we want to get to more questions. He does bring you up in his, so I want to give you a chance for a rebuttal. And we all also are going to ask you this question. Yep, no on more, the defund police is yep, what he brought up. No, no police officers in this country were more dispirited than the ones who were present at the United States Capitol on January 6th. One please hold off. Please hold off on that. Audience, please. I'm sorry. I'm trying to tell the audience, please. So go ahead. 140 officers injured. One crushed. He's sorry. He's so popular. Another hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. Another stab with a metal stake. So this talk about support for law enforcement, it's not real. It's not true because he decided to play politics when he, the person he didn't want to win the presidential election. You're right there. You have to end it. And he did bring you up again. We'll still get you to that yes. question, yep. Mr. Barnes. And I immediately and forcefully and repeatedly condemned the violence on January 6th, unlike my opponent, who basically just ignores Audience, the 570 riots, the 2,000 law enforcement officers injured during the summer riots, and he incited the Kenosha riots the night after the first riot. Lieutenant Governor Barnes held a press conference and said it sure looked like it was a vendetta them. carried out against a member of the community. Rather than providing the manpower, he incited two more nights of riots. That's a pretty miserable record when it comes uh, to uh, Mr. Barnes. Mr. Barnes, you have every right to respond well, yeah, to that. Exactly. It, it has to be said that he called those folks patriots. He called them tourists, the people who were beating up police officers in the United States Capitol, the people that were there to protect him. He said he wasn't afraid. He said if they were Black Lives Matter or Antifa, he may have been afraid. But because they were the people who he riled up, of course he wasn't afraid. All right, now the question to Mr. Barnes. Specifically, Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson was involved in the plot. So he gets the question on the, the, the George Floyd Act or the Justice Act. What would you support, and does that have to include qualified Immunity. Well, the most important thing we need to do is build trust, restore trust between law enforcement and the communities they serve. It's easy. It makes law enforcement easier. It makes the job easier. It results in less stress. It also results in less crime. Even in 2020, at the height of the protests, former Governor Scott Walker called for police reform. I do support getting rid of qualified immunity, and we need to hold bad actors accountable. We shouldn't let people who break the law, who uh, were hired to enforce the law, go to a different department if they break the rules. Again, we can't have safer communities unless we have trust. And our administration, like I said before, invested historic sums of money in law enforcement, public safety, and crime prevention initiatives because we want to do the right thing to keep people safe on both ends. When we reduce poverty, we reduce crime. When we increase support for our schools, we reduce crime. When we create good-paying jobs in communities, we reduce crime. Senator Johnson just doesn't seem to understand that. All right, we will move on to the next topic here, and I ask the audience to please hold off so we can get to more questions here. The next set of questions will pertain to abortion and family planning. Democratic voters in the state say that that is their most uh, important issue in the most recent Marquette poll. Mr. Barnes, 
You have supported going back to Roe when it comes to abortions, but you have also said, quote, you can't legislate a specific timeline and it should be left up to a medical doctor. Can you clearly state at what point do you think life should be protected and what exemptions would you support? Well, thank you so much. Uh, I have someone in the audience, Connie, who was expecting, and it was the most joyous time for her, but that joy was short-lived. What she thought were twins was actually a cancerous tumor forming. She had some very difficult conversations, conversations she never expected to have, and she had an abortion. That was her choice to make. In Ron Johnson's America, women don't get to make the best choice for their health. Rape victims don't get to make the best health care or don't get to make the choices uh, for themselves. That's the unfortunate reality. I support us going back to Roe versus Wade. That was a law of the land that worked for 50 years. And Roe also allowed for some restrictions. But the reality is it has strong protections for the health and the life of the mother. And that's what we should be moving towards. Senator Johnson has sponsored eight different national abortion bans. He sponsored abortion bans that had no exceptions for rape, incest, or the life of the mother. And that position is too out of touch and extreme. Well, since you're here. So, Mr. Johnson, the question is for you as well, so I'll give you a chance to respond. Uh, I had it backwards. How would you clearly state where you will protect life along this? First, go to wisfacts.com, and you can read everything I've written on this particular subject. As Justice Alito said, this is a profound moral issue. And what I propose is probably, the, from my standpoint, the best way we can finally come after 50 years. This wasn't solved 50 years ago. This has been a divisive issue for 50 years. I proposed a one-time, single-issue referendum to decide at what point does society have the responsibility to protect life, balancing the rights of a mother with the rights of an unborn child. I can't think of a better way of solving this problem once and for all where most people would accept the results. In that scenario, I would have one vote. But the extreme position when it comes to abortion is the one that the lieutenant governor holds, which would allow abortions up to the moment of birth. Every Think single that. Republican that has said that. Are. So again, I propose something very reasonable. It's on wisfacts.com. Take a look at it. It needs to be Mr. after thoughtful, thorough, right. and a Mr. Johnson, discussion. Mr. Johnson, I, I wanted to ask you a question. You said the referendum, but a Republican-led legislature gaveled in and gaveled out so that that no. referendum couldn't please, even be put on audience, the table. Audience, please. So, no, no, uh, so I'm disputing what that vote or what, what they gaveled in and out. Governor Evers proposed a referendum to basically codify Roe v. Wade. That's not what I'm talking about. And if, if I do get reelected and we do have a Republican governor, I will use all my influence to try and convince the legislator, the governor, to hold that single issue, one-time referendum, after a thoughtful, thorough, compassionate discussion where we examine all the information that, quite honestly, we haven't really looked at and educated ourselves about. All right, Mr. Barnes, he did bring you up. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the topic of abortion, which is an issue that should be left between a woman and her doctor, Senator Johnson cites his personal beliefs. And I respect everyone's personal beliefs. I just don't think that everyone's personal beliefs should be the law for everyone. And 70% of people in this state support Roe versus Wade being the law of the land. He is his position is too out of touch. So he can try to scare, he can try to fear monger, use all these things talking about abort or abortion up until birth, which just doesn't make sense. I think we can all agree that late-term abortion is Thank you, Mr. Barnes. Moving on. He, moving on. he accused me of fear mongering. Okay. I'm, I'm not trying to scare anybody. 
you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm, try, I'm trying to develop a method where we can come together, decide this once and for all, compassionately understanding we have a broad spectrum of opinion, and have we the people decide. What could be more reasonable than that? All right. We do Thank want to get on to some other topics, including Mr. Mr. Barnes, Mr. Johnson, please. It's, it's very difficult to hear the question. Okay. I will try to speak up. Thank you. This is, question is for you, Mr. Johnson. A federal family paid leave bill has been introduced but has failed to pass the Senate in 2013, 2015, 2017, 2019, spending money we don't have and mortgaging our kids' future is, is pretty popular. But the fact is we don't have the money for this. And if you force it on the private sector, you will start reducing jobs. You could put businesses out of work. We have a very tight labor supply right now. Companies who can afford it because they're having to compete with for, for workers are offering paid family leave. Let the marketplace determine it. We have enough government regulations, enough government mandates, Mandates it screws things up. It makes problems. No one ever says we don't have enough government regulation. I believe we don't have enough. Businesses have too much power. Want to get through all of the questions here, so you'll have plenty of time at the end to applaud your team. Let's move on and get through these questions, Mr. Barnes. Well, absolutely. Whether it's uh, maternal or paternal leave, or the fact that people need to take care of a loved one sometimes, over this pandemic, at the height of the pandemic. People were afraid to take off work because they were afraid they were going to lose their jobs, which made everybody at risk. It put people at risk who didn't have to be because they thought they were going to lose their jobs. Now, we're one of the only developed countries in the world with this lackluster paid leave policy that we have. We should absolutely strengthen it. From Senator Johnson's perspective, which is probably one of the most clear contrasts on this stage, is that it's always about the profits of businesses and corporations, but it's never about working people. If working people aren't healthy, if working people don't have the support that they need, then how can any business be productive? This is actually a good business decision to implement a paid leave policy in this country. Mr. Johnson, you can respond to First, that Lieutenant specifically. Governor Barnes has never created a job. He's never signed the front of a paycheck. He doesn't have a clue how to create jobs. He certainly doesn't have a clue how the economy works and how you run a business. He doesn't understand the struggles of small business people just trying to meet payroll, just trying to keep people employed. So he's happy to grow government and impose government mandates on small businesses, but he will drive them out of business. I'm trying to protect small businesses. And so we will move, you'll get a rebuttal here. Yep. Senator Johnson is taking a whole lot of credit for his business in law. All right, we will move on to immigration. And that is our next topic. Great line. Uh, the first question will go to Mr. Barnes. We are seeing record number of encounters at the border uh, with many seeking asylum. How would you work across the aisle to specifically re reduce the crisis at the border and reform the process to legal citizenship through the green card system? We got a Socrates. Well, I support comprehensive immigration reform. It's quite simple. I support a path to citizenship for dreamers and their families, a system that treats people with respect and dignity and doesn't subject our children to the horrors of family separation. Now, I've had a chance to travel this entire state as lieutenant governor. I thought he said horrors there for a minute. The horrors. We don't have comprehensive immigration reform in this country. It makes it harder for small businesses. It makes it harder for our farmers. 
everywhere I go, people can agree that a path to citizenship isn't just the humane thing to do, it's also good for our economy. Now we have people like Senator Johnson who spent 12 years in office. All he'll do is complain. When he gets a chance to make his statement, I guarantee you it'll be a complaint. It won't be about a single thing that he's done to fix the immigration <laughs> issues in this country. Now, we can do this. We can keep the border safe. We can treat people with dignity, but only if we have people who are serious about doing the work. Mr. Johnson, you have this question as well. Well, as Chairman of Homeland Security Government Affairs Committee, I held probably three dozen hearings on some aspects of our open border and our broken immigration system. I worked with Senator Kirsten Sinema, Democrat Senator Kirsten Sinema, with DHS, we, operate, we developed something called Operation Safe Return. Uh, that actually mor morphed into Return to Mexico, which pretty well solved the problem of unaccompanied children and families uh, abusing our asylum laws. We actually cut our single adults coming across the border illegally in half until Democrat presidential debates where Democrats said they'd stop deportations and offer free health care. Then, of course, President Biden came into office the border completely opened up. We're dealing with 7,000 people per day being encountered. Once again, the, the idea of the border being open when they'll also talk about record arrests. The human traffickers is largely overlooked and being hidden by this administration and mainstream media. And we want to go on. We have another question on immigration. Yes, and this question will go to you first, Mr. Johnson. Another immigration concern is what do we do with the 75,000 undocumented immigrants here in Wisconsin, many who are law-abiding citizens who are also paying state and federal taxes, the country and the state know that they are here, but because they are not here legally, they live in the shadows. What is the pathway for them to become citizens that does not require deportation? So one of the real tragedies of President Biden's and Democrats' open border policy is because we were so close to having a secure enough border where we could move toward legal immigration reform. I, I was working with the previous administration. We had a really good system, take about 100 visas down to about six, award them based on a metric system tied to our economy, and we were also going to take care of the DACA kids and the people you're talking about. But President Biden came into office, blew open the border, and removed that first necessary step. He's being a Kevin. You, you, can't, you can't offer amnesty and still have a wide-open border, or you'll have a flood of millions more people coming to this country illegally, being abused by the human traffickers. Again, abused by the human traffickers. It's horrific what is happening. How do you think young women pay off their human trafficking fees? You know, the border is secure on the Mexican side of the border. Nobody, nobody comes across this country without either paying or being indebted to human traffickers. This is a travesty. This is the Democrat policy is an open border, a flood of illegal immigrants. Thank you. Mr. Drugs. Johnson, thank you. Well, this is, again, the senator using fear-mongering. As I said before, he's going to continue to use it in every issue. Now, the reality is the infrastructure bill actually had provisions for border modernization. But Senator Johnson couldn't be bothered to vote for it because he didn't even read the infrastructure bill. He didn't know what was in it. And so if he was very serious about solving a problem, he would have taken the time to do his job. But instead, he'd rather play politics and make talking points. Now, we're talking about folks, the people he's trying to make you afraid of. We're talking about people who are working here, people who are paying taxes, contributing to society, contributing to the community people who should have a path to citizenship. And Senator Johnson wants to talk about a labor or workforce shortage. These are people who are here already doing the hard work, and Ron Johnson wants to do whatever with them. He wants their experience. He wants them to live in limbo. He wants them to continue to live in the shadows. So again, Mr. Barnes, just to make clear, what would you suggest for their pathway to citizenship? Oh, we should process them immediately into a path to citizenship. 
We need to make sure that people who have been here, people who've been working here, people who've been contributing, should have a path to citizenship if they so choose. But the issue has been so demagogued. Uh, the issue, again, the fear-mongering that's being used is the reason why we don't have comprehensive immigration reform. They just want to scare the hell out of everybody on this issue when it's only making, I let him people's, out. Lives He's making people's lives more difficult and it's contributing to an inhumane system. And as the United States of America, Thank we you, should Mr. be better Barnes. than that. You do have a chance for rebuttal. It, it, it has cost us more not to complete the wall that we already contracted for than to actually build it. All right. Democrats have voted against three of my amendments in committee and on the floor. All but Senator Manchin voted against completing the wall that we had already bought and paid for. Now, unfortunately, Lieutenant Governor Mandela would want to give illegal immigrants a driver's license. Gee, what do you need to vote? Oh, that'd be a driver's license and in-state tuition. That would be a more, more of a magnet for more illegal immigration, which is why we have to secure our border. Mr. First. Barnes, you may respond. Well, I'll tell you, this is about safety. And if people who are working here need to get to work, people are going to drive regardless. If we can have some sort of checks and balances, making sure we know who's on the road and people can actually get car insurance, gee, that will make communities less safe. People shouldn't have to live in the shadows. And if you went to a school in Wisconsin, you should absolutely be able to pay in-state tuition at one of our wonderful universities. We have reciprocity, we have reciprocity with Minnesota. All right. If you went to school here, you should be able to pay in-state tuition. Thank Sorry you. The moderator that. for the Barnes-Johnson first, first debate was really good. This is on the war in Ukraine, and Mr. Barnes, you will get the first question. President Biden has said, quote, America is fully prepared with our NATO allies to defend every single inch of NATO territory. Every single I think this is the only the second debate where we've gotten a foreign policy question. As we speak. Russia's president is threatening to use nuclear weapons. Mr. Barnes, do you support more financial aid or military equipment for Ukraine and deploying American military to defend any NATO country if necessary? Well, I'll tell you, this is a uh, fight for democracy and a fight for freedom abroad, and we need to do everything we can. I'm, I'm, I'm really, well, First of all, let me say that I'm proud of the Ukrainian people uh, showing immense courage in a difficult situation. We need to do everything we can short of American boots on the ground. There's no appetite for it. Uh, and Putin also needs to be held accountable. We need to continue to call out his war crimes. We need to up I believe of the debates we've watched, but also I'm really high. We have someone, Senator Johnson. But not high enough for this show. Putin as a smart guy. Now, if Putin is successful in Ukraine, he's going to encroach on more territory. It'd also be a green light to other autocratic leaders. There was also an instance where Senator Johnson had to be sat down by the FBI and warned that he may be a Russian asset. <laughs> we, can't trust, we cannot trust Senator Johnson to protect democracy abroad because we can't even trust Senator Johnson to protect democracy here at home. Mr. Johnson, you do have a chance on a rebuttal for that, and then we'll also... You do have a chance on a rebuttal. We'd also want to ask you that question, question sure. about Ukraine. Well, first of all, I wish President Biden were more concerned about defending every inch of U.S. territory against the invasion on our southern border. Uh, I certainly oh, oh I should have saw that coming. What we've already allocated. Like invasion. You know, what the weapons have, you know, what weapons we've sent to Ukraine, what we need to replenish in our own stockpile. I've been to Ukraine repeatedly. I've been the chairman and now ranking member of the European Subcommittee on Foreign Relations. I was at President Zelensky's inauguration. The, the Ukrainian people want what we want. They, they want freedom. They're you have another 30 their... seconds. I'm sorry. You have still another 30 seconds. Okay. Um, on the question of Ukraine. I think they probably want this cat to come save them. So the Ukrainian people, what we want, want what we want. 
They're, they're defending their children, their freedom. Uh, I think it is good for us freedom-loving peoples to hang together and provide them the defensive weaponry so they can defend their territory. But again, I want a full account. He's not a freedom-loving in, in person. Response to the wild what are you talking about? Uh, Lieutenant Governor Barnes, the FBI set me up with a I don't know what that voice was, I did. corrupt <laughs> briefing and then leaked that to smear me. I am... No, I mean, right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They're laughing right, at him. referring to corruption with the FBI, which I've been trying let's, to... Let's watch that again. That was great. I'm the chairman and now ranking member of the European Subcommittee on Foreign Relations. I was at President Zelensky's inauguration. The, the Ukrainian people want what we want. They, they want freedom. They're you have another 30 their... seconds. I'm sorry. You have still another 30 seconds. Okay. Um, on the question of Ukraine. Okay. Uh, so the Ukrainian people, what we want, want what we want. They're defending their children, their freedom. Uh, I think it is good for us freedom-loving peoples to hang together and provide them the defensive weaponry so they can defend their territory. But again, I want a full accounting. And in, in response to the wild charge of uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor Barnes, the FBI set me up with a corrupt, with a corrupt briefing and then leaked that to smear me. I am... No, I mean, right, I'm sorry. The FBI set me up, and he got laughed at. Let's talk about. I mean, he is referring to corruption with the FBI, which I've been trying to uncover and expose. All right. So, do we have time for? Please, audience, please. We're trying to get through these. We have time for one more question. Do you think we're stupid? Do you think we're fools? One minute response. Last, last year, the Wisconsin Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Commission reported ginseng export totaled more than $19 million, the number one consumer being China. Since the trade war started by the Trump administration, one ginseng farmer that we visited in Wausau is concerned that if the tra- tariff issue is not addressed, he and many other central Wisconsin farmers will go out of business. Mr. Johnson... How can you assure them that this is a priority to you? Well, under the previous administration, I worked long and hard with the Secretary of Commerce to free up those trades so our ginseng farmers could export their product to China. I was not a real fan of the trade wars, but I fully understand... Oh, they're not wasting their time. They're legitimately investigating them, I would assume. Uh, So, from my standpoint, the way you discipline China is you need to get the rest of the trading world hanging together, cooperating, and imposing rules on China. What we also ought to do is we ought to reinitiate the China Initiative, which was what President Biden canceled as a Department of Justice investigation program to try and track down and investigate Chinese theft of our intellectual property on universities. You know, why did President Biden cancel that? I have no idea. Could it be because he's compromised because of his son's business dealings with China? Might just be the case. Mr. Barnes. How would you assure that this is a priority to you? I would assume he's being investigated uh, in, for his role in January 6th. Farm back in 2019, I want to say. Uh, and I asked about the tariffs and the impact. And he looked at me and said, are you asking if these tariffs are going to be the death nail of rural America? Because if you are asking me that, the answer is yes. Our family farms, our businesses, manufacturing has taken a hit because of the tariffs. And when the former president 
implemented those tariffs, Senator Johnson wasn't there to stand up for our family farms. He wasn't there to stand up for our small businesses. The reality is Senator Johnson has benefited personally from Chinese investments in, in different companies. Now, what we need to do is make sure that we are on level playing field when it comes to any of our trading partners. That means a set of labor standards. That also means a set of environmental standards so that people aren't getting over on us. And we need to make sure that the American worker and the Wisconsin farmers put first in any of these trade deals. Mr. Johnson. All right, clinically, I'm a, I'm a pothead sometimes. Once again, I don't know where he gets this stuff. He just makes it off. Again, he's a performer. He's an actor. The makes it off. Roll off his tongue. So, again, I, I caution all of you, take everything that's, that Lieutenant Governor Barnes says with a huge grain of salt. All right, we are down to one final question here, and both of you have said a lot tonight. The final countdown. Now. When we traveled around the state talking with voters, we heard repeatedly from people tired of divisive politics and attack ads. So our final question here tonight is, both of you have been successful in life. You have 30 seconds here. Mr. Barnes, you go first. What do you find admirable about your opponent? Ooh. Well, no, no, seriously, I, I do think, you know, the senator has proven to be a family man, and I think that's, that's admirable. Um, you know, that's absolutely to be respected. He, he speaks about his family. He's uh, done a lot to provide for them. I absolutely respect that. Mr. Johnson. I mean, likewise, I appreciate the fact that... Uh, Lieutenant Governor Barnes had loving parents, a school teacher, father worked third shift, so he had you know good upbringing. I guess what puzzles me about that is with that upbringing. The both parents thing kind of sounds like a dog why, whistle. Why does he find the right. founding of America awful? Oh, Well, no, no, seriously, I, I do think you know the senator has proven to be a family man, and I think that's that's admirable. Um, you know, that's absolutely to be respected. He, he speaks about his family. He's uh, done a lot to provide for them. I absolutely respect that. Mr. Johnson. I mean, likewise, I appreciate the fact that uh, Lieutenant Governor Barnes had loving parents, a school teacher, father worked third shift, so he had, you know, good upbringing. I guess what puzzles me about that is with that upbringing, why is he turned against America? I mean, why, why, why does he find the right. founding of America awful? It's, it's, it's Somehow. We, it puzzles We me. did not. I said Please we argue. said something admirable, so. and it is now time. Somehow we have made it to the end of this debate <laughs> um, for closing statements, and I appreciate both of you gentlemen. At this time, we would like to ask the audience to please hold your applause, your feelings, until the end of both candidates concluding their comments. Mr. Johnson, why should voters pick you on November 8th? Wisconsin voters ought to be asking are you better off or worse off since Democrats took control? Considering 40-year high inflation, record gas prices, skyrocketing crime, an open border flood of deadly drugs, I think it's pretty obvious most people are worse off. What's important to notice is that these problems didn't just happen. They were the direct result of Democrat policies and Democrat governance. And Lieutenant Governor Barnes supports all these policies causing you and your family so much pain. If elected, he would be a rubber stamp for President Biden and Senator Schumer, and together they would make matters even worse. When I first ran for office, I made two promises. I'll always tell you the truth, and I'll never vote with my election. Or, he got laughed at for that one. Election in mind, I'll, I've honored those promises scrupulously. And if I am reelected, I'll do everything I can to help improve things and heal and unify this nation, and I'm asking for your vote. 
So thank you all so much uh, for being here. I really appreciate this opportunity. And while the senator wants to lie and distract and hide from his own record, and while he subscribes to the politics of division, what he doesn't realize is that each and every one of us in all 72 counties in this state has so much more in common with each other than we'll ever have with self-serving, out-of-touch politicians. Now, unfortunately, for the last 12 years, we've experienced the failures of his leadership and his representation. Women's lives and women's health are on the line. For our veterans who may have been victims of burn pits, you don't want a senator who's going to play politics with your life. For our retirees, we don't want a person who's going to take your retirement away from you, what you've worked hard for your entire life. Working people live with the constant threat of their jobs being shipped out of state or overseas. Our democracy hangs in the balance. Senator Johnson tried to overturn a free and fair election because he didn't like the result. He tried to send fake electors to the vice president, said his involvement lasted a matter of seconds, as if you get to use the five-second rule for election subversion. <laughs> Mr. Barnes and Mr. Johnson for meeting us on this debate now stage tonight. Now you can tonight. applaud for both of now them. Now you can applaud. Ron Johnson took a question. What he found admirable about his opponent attacked his opponent in that question and then said he would be a unifier and bring people together. Just the audacity, the caucasity to pull such a move. Wow. And I believe the moderators called him out. And like Barnes not saying anything about it, he looked like the stand-up guy. I think I think Ron looked shitty in that exchange. I, I give that one to Barnes again. I gave the first one to Barnes, but apparently Ron Johnson's uh, uh, polling has gone up since the first debate. So I don't understand it. When we come back on the other side of the break. We're going to do a quick rundown of the news. We're going to talk about the January 6th committee hearing earlier today. We're going to see video of Pelosi calling for help. We're going to talk about the Roger Stone connection to January 6th. They subpoenaed Trump. They took a vote to subpoena Trump, so that's going to be interesting. A judge has denied Trump's request to pause a deposition in his rape case. He has apparently started a new company to try to get out of charges in New York State. Also, it is it's just another day in mass shooting USA. So we're going to find out what happened in Raleigh, North Carolina. Also, cops were ambushed. Uh, in Connecticut, we're going to cover that story. And uh, jurors in Parkland have come to a decision on the fate of the Parkland shooter. Plus, I got another woman going to a school board meeting, going viral, causing causing a stir at a at a board meeting over a drag show because right wingers are morons. All that and more on the other side of the break. On the Troll Patrol, live. <laughs> 